Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And I'm Diggs. And this is Unsubs. podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 goddamn episodes of Criminal Minds. Today, we're, we've got a little, a little treat, and again, it's, it's not just a, um, a oh god, disorganized I, I killer. I fucked this up, yes, it's not just, a, it's a very organized killer. We are doing a two-part episode I think we'll probably be releasing both episodes at the same time because this is uh, The Fisher King, part one, and part two begins with season two, but I think we're going to drop them both today for your listening pleasure. Uh, And before we do our fact of the day, we'll do our disclaimer. We are not in any way associated with the television show Criminal Minds. However, we sure would like to be. And today we have a guest. Guest, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Diggs. I'm one of the hosts of the Genre Blind podcast, and I'm Abigail's boyfriend. Yay. Yay. Is it the man? The man, the myth, the legend. legend. I feel like I've (laughs) mentioned you too many times on this podcast. On your serial killer podcast? Yeah, I I did. I, I think there was in um, the episode Blood Hungry, I think I did reference the fact that, like, it's a little unfair that some people have more blood than others. And I was like, I know someone who's really upset about that. I didn't name drop It is you. unfair. And then Mac it's goes... so unfair. And then Mac goes, oh, is that your boyfriend? And I'm just like, Yeah. <laughs> Not to be a complete nerd, but it was actually Natural Born Killer with the serial killer who killed a hundred men but no women. Oh shit! I confused. <laughs> and the it. tub of blood. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Tupperware's full of blood. I just don't think it's fair that some people get more blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, fair. <laughs> should we? Should we share our facts of the day? Yeah. You go first because I still haven't figured out what mine is. Okay, my fact of the day is I'm fully vaccinated now, and tomorrow I'm going to hug my grandmother for the first time in a year. Hey. Yeah, I'm really fucking excited. My fun fact is that I'm not fully vaccinated yet, and I am getting my second dose the week of my Spanish finals. So by the time this is published, I'll let you know if I pass Spanish or not. (laughs) Oh, girl, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Diggs, do you have a fun fact? Oh, my my fun fact is that I just got my first shot, and it was the first time in my life that I didn't scream cry. Yeah, the, the guy bullied you. Yeah, the, 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 there was a, it was actually a real doctor who gave it to me. I'm like, I have a phobia of needles. And he's like... Okay, are you gonna be a coward about this? I'm like, what? And he's like, roll up your sleeve and turn your head. And I'm like, um, and he's like, I'm gonna count to five and then give it to you. I'm like, that's not true. You are gonna count to five and give it to me early. And he's like, probably. And then just did that. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, gosh. This is our podcast about vaccines. 
Abby, do you want to start the recap? Once again, Abby is going to do the recap. Every time there's a guest, Abby's in charge. So much authority. Okay. So much authority. Don't cock it up. I won't cock it up. But I will say that, like, again, keep a tally, take a shot every time I say convoluted. <laughs> the f- ki- I always want to say King Fisher. Okay. This is the Fisher King part one. So we open with some wildly ominous music. We see a man's hand touching a sleeping or dead, it's undetermined at the moment, woman's hair, and we only see his hands. Also, also, I don't know why the fuck I'm coming in with also. (laughs) I just wanted to note that there was a Fisher cat, get it? Fisher King, Fisher cat. Fisher cat call within two seconds of this episode beginning. That's the, like, it doesn't sound like, of like what it is but they're like these like cat like looking things that are terrifying and will kill you uh-huh. um so first there was the call and then mixed into the ominous music there was a little bit of the ah! and i was like oh shit we're really going this hard and it hasn't even been 60 seconds yep yep <laughs> so we cut to the bau and all of the all of them are getting ready to take their vacation time Morgan and Elle are talking about how they're going to go away to Jamaica together for a holiday. Morgan is encouraging Reed to come with them, but that doesn't happen, and Reed seems, like, very salty about it. Um, And Hotch is finally spending some time with his wife and, you know, brand new bebe. Um, And Gideon is, like, wildly sprightly. He's like, do not call me. You all deserve a vacation. We cut to another place. It's the same creepy dude with the creepy hands. And he has, like, printed out photos of all of the BAU members in his, like, office. And they're, like, all over his desk. And the phone rings and he says, yes, thank you. Um, At this point, I think it's very important to note that we still have, like, credits coming up on the screen. And we see that Jane Lynch is in this episode. Sue Sylvester herself. That's really all I care about. Diggs and I are big Glee fans. Yes. And the fact that Sue Sylvester is going to be gracing the screen with her presence is really important. Um, so then we cut to Jamaica and we see Elle and Morgan relaxing on the beach, living their best life. I'm quite envious. Um, and Morgan's friend, I think his name is Jeff. Um, is, like, kind of hitting on Elle, and, like, Morgan is undressing all the women with his eyes, and they're having a grand old time. Can I say something about Morgan in this scene? Yes. I think his pants are a federal offense, and I could not support his character for the rest of the episode because of them. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> um, he is wearing, uh, cargo pants that are maroon in this scene that go down past his knee to like mid calf, almost like founding father style, but he's fully at the beach, like with water and sand and whatever. And they are not swim shorts and they are not pants. They're just weird uh, cargo capris that don't fit him properly. And they just, I, I felt them getting full of sand and it made me angry. Oh my god. I didn't even notice. This was the right episode to have you guessed on. I'm so glad we did this. Oh my god. All right. 
we cut to Hotch, who is cleaning in the garage and, like, actually spending quality time with his wife. He's also actually laughing, too, so I was saying that Jacob Dawes from episode 14 would be, like, fucking thrilled. So then we cut to what I think is, like, the most, like, cinematic masterpiece of this entire episode arc, um, which is... Which is which is Gideon cutting a mean onion, and he's grooving and cooking in the kitchen, and then I realized that he's making pasta, and I was like, Gideon, Mandy, thank you. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful moment. My comment was, this scene had such a visceral sexual energy to it. I've never been more, it was a fucking turn on, and I don't know how anyone in their right mind could watch that scene and not be like, slipping off the couch you know what i mean and it's also like it's not just like box pasta that you throw in he's like going the extra step like this is a an elaborate dinner moment next we see garcia who is still at work for some reason does she not get a vacation um when she's playing a like medieval video game JJ joins her, and Garcia is telling JJ about how she has a crush on the guy that she's playing this, like, Camelot game with, and how he's always attentive, and, like, you can already just know this is going to be important later on, because why would, why else would they spend so much time on this? So one might even say this is functioning as foreshadowing. Um, alright, and then we cut to Jade fucking Lynch. Finally. And so she is playing uh, uh, Spencer Reed's mother, and uh, she is in a sanitarium, and Goobs is clearly, like, very uncomfortable and ends up not talking to his mom, and he leaves saying he'll come back the next day. Uh, he also dropped off a Marjorie Kemp book, uh, which, Abigail, you will find this interesting. She was born in Kingsland. Fuck Kingsland. I just thought you should know Ugh. that she was born in Kingsland. Uh, she was basically she's like a, a Christian mystic, uh, and like one of the first like, uh, like written autobiographies, like probably like the first recorded. Um, and she has some association with Julian of Norwich and stuff. So, Abigail, why do you hate Kingsland so much? Like we don't. We don't want to alienate our followers in Kingsland, wherever the fuck that is. Oh, I do. Shit. Oh shit. I do. And Castle Acre, for what that happened? matter. This is this is the story of how we met, actually. But um, the skinny of it is that we had some very unpleasant experiences in Kingsland and Castle Acre. And if you want more information on that, you'll have to join our Patreon when we have one. Yes. Hotch and his wife are spending some baby-free quality time on the couch. Um, and we learn that Hotch and Haley are high school sweethearts. And this episode gets, um, one could say, steamy. I was watching with subtitles. And so they're like looking through the yearbook and reminiscing. And Hotch says some fucking really romantic shit. It's like... It's, I think it's a good story arc pointer, so I'm just going to drop it in here, where basically he walked into, like, the drama club accidentally one day, and he had a crush on Haley, so he joined the drama club, and that's why he was acting in the Pirates of Penzance as, like, a terror. He, like, did a really shitty job. I was in Pirates of Penzance. 
I bet you did an amazing job. No, I was one of the cops. Oh, all cops are pigs. Facts. <laughs> Even Jigs and the Pirates of Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so Haley gets all like hot and bothered after this confession. And she drops the yearbook and I was watching with the subtitles and as they start fucking, it said yearbook hits floor. And I was like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So moving on, Gideon is now having dinner with his girlfriend and he like, you know, went, you know, full, full tilt. Candles are out. Music is on. They slow dance. It's really cute. And she says, it's good to be home. But, you know, like any horror movie or television show, if things are nice, they can't stay that way. So things are now taking a turn for the worse. Hotch gets a spooky phone call in the middle of the night. They have been on the couch and asleep. And so he answers the phone. Shit starts to go down. And then we cut to the resort where Morgan and L are, and I, I, get, I think again his name was Jeff, the friend, is walking in with the police, and they're talking about how there was an anonymous phone call saying that there was a murder in room 19. And in fact, it looks like there was. There is blood smeared everywhere. Next. So we see Garcia, her game suddenly ends and all of her screens are saying, no work, all play. So suggesting and showing that all of her stuff has been hacked and it's very stressful and overwhelming. Um, And then rapid fire, we see Gideon also getting a phone call during his romantic evening. And on his security camera, uh, he sees a van coming towards his home. He pulls out a gun and then tells his gal pal to go to the bedroom because, quote, no one should be coming here. He has received a package in the mail and an envelope that says, save her. And inside the package uh, is a head. So the police in Jamaica go into the bedroom and pull out a sleeping L from bed, and we get to see some, you know, choice police brutality as they handcuff the sleeping L. Um, there is blood all over the room, but she's spotless, and then L is being questioned, and they're wondering why the fuck there was blood in her room, but also uh, in the bed, on oh my god, but also on the wall in the above her bed, written in blood was save her. Um, this starts when things start to get a little convoluted. A headless body was found in Jamaica. Um, and then, and then we cut again to BAU and Garcia has cracked because her entire computer system is down. Uh, so as Elle is being questioned, Hotch shows up and is, like, just unbelievably sexy. And he explains that Elle definitely cannot have killed the man because of, like, the, you know, time of death and everything. And I would say this starts to feel a little, like, I don't want to say, like, racist and xenophobic, but, like, it kind of is inching towards that area, or maybe I'm just being sensitive, but it started to remind me of the, like, machismo episode. I thought we were never gonna bring that up again. I wish we didn't have to, but it, like just when they're like, "Oh, the American police is so much better than this other country's police force," is kind of like the energy that it was reminding me of. 
So now JJ also, you know, it's everyone's getting gifts, so she's got to get a gift too. So she receives a package, and it's a butterfly that she's, quote, always searched for but never found. And apparently it's a somewhat rare butterfly that is indigenous to Europe. And then we cut again because rapid fire scenes, Goobs is back visiting his mom and he has also received a package and it's a key and a note that says, quote, she will die unless you save her, Dr. Reed. So Elle is exonerated and they all go back to the BAU to regroup. They they share that the different gifts they received in the mail. JJ tells Gideon she received a strange package in the mail. And he's like, well, is it a head in the middle of the night? Because he's a little salty. Um, Garcia arrives and tells them that a Sir Naif has hacked into the account, leaving the possibility that the unsub now has access to literally all of the FBI's files. Um, Which is no bueno. Um, but she also managed to find out the hacker's account information and the unsub is likely named Frank Giles. So Frank Giles was has a long criminal record. Um, has, he like fl- flew to Virginia. He's a sex offender, a rapist, theft, everything. The VAU swarms to the address Elle and Morgan break in, but it's an empty apartment, and the only thing there is a body uh, that is uh, impaled with a medieval sword, so it looks very, you know, Arthurian, sword in the stone, aka Caliburn, and uh, JK, it's not impaled into a stone, it's impaled into a body, and it's a dude's chest, and written on in blood on the wall behind it, it says, Here thy quest doth truly begin. They realize that the body it is impaled through is Frank Giles. So they make comments about how the rest of the messages were in, like, modern English, and Elle is like, okay, now we're looking for Shakespeare. So, let me get on my high horse for a little second here. So this is a common misconception people have about Shakespeare and the English language. Shakespeare uh, and all of his plays and these messages is actually written in modern English, but it's early modern English, not Old English, like L and the BAU is saying. Old English is like Beowulf. So saying thy in doth is not Old English. That is early modern English, okay? That's how Sue sees it. So they realize that there's also a message written into the blade of the sword, and they realize that the sword must cast a shadow during a specific hour because Reed comes in and uses big brain Olympics and figures this out. That's it, It's a fucking leap, though. Like, he's like, oh, this, this is what this means. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, sure. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Why are we here right now? Gideon is supposed to be on vacation with his spaghetti. Right? So they find a box in the wall because I guess this is Indiana Jones. Um, but it's locked and they realize that Reed already has the key to open the box and it's a fucking music box and it's playing Schubert. Um, and there's another note and under the lid is a second compartment that has a lock of hair and a CD slash DVD. It's a DVD. So they go back to the BAU and they watch the DVD and the unsub tells them, you're on a quest to save a beautiful girl, but he has some rules for this quest. 
So the rules are that the only only the members of the BAU team may participate in this quest, and the quest must be completed in the proper way. And he says they'll be receiving a clue soon, and then it cuts out and they're static. But why would there be static if it's filmed on a DVD? But then Hotch's wife and baby come to the BAU, and she has a letter for Hotch, and it was delivered to Haley at the door of their home. The message is on a piece of paper, and the piece of paper is like has all these numbers written all over it. And this is probably my favorite line in the episode. Reed says, I think it's a coded message of some sort. No shit! No shit, it's a coded oh message God. of some sort. I, it's so hysterical because they put they take out a whiteboard and they write it all out and they're all like, hmm, what could this be? And Goobs comes in like, oh, it's a coded message. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, he cracked the case. And it's like, you guys are the fucking FBI. Like you were the fucking behavioral analysis unit at Quantico, Virginia. And you... <laughs> You just cracked the fucking Zodiac Killer the other episode, so I don't I don't know what's going on with this. Yeah. <laughs> so he thinks to break the code, um, each set of numbers is referring to a specific book and page number and line number and words. Um, but in order to do that, it must be from a very specific book and speci- specific edition. Uh, they also confirmed that the hair from the music box belonged to a girl named Rebecca Bryant, who has been missing for two years. So for some reason, Gideon decides to not follow the rules that the unsub gave them and to do a press conference. And again, they don't explain why they think this is a good idea. So they just do it like an idiot. And so they show a composite sketch of the man who delivered the package to Haley And this is, like, the only profile we get in the entire freaking episode, which is the suspect is a guy who is white and probably around 25 years of age. We see the unsub watching the press conference, and he's all, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, Rebecca. Wait, wait, you gotta do it in the raspy voice that he's got. I can try. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, Rebecca, I need to go out again. He wishes he was Jigsaw. (laughs) He does! (laughs) He really does. (laughs) So, this is the the last few minutes of the episode. Elle is on the verge of passing out after having not slept for, like, 36 hours being due to being, like, you know, arrested in Jamaica. Um, And so Hotch insists she go home and sleep. So a random BAU intern or whatever, his name is Anderson, drives her home on Hotch's orders. So Elle is home, and she has some nice window seats, and she immediately falls asleep in the window seat. Yes, windows open. Windows open. Super safe. Um, unfortunately, the unsub is in her house, and he points a gun at her, and the episode ends with the gun being fired, and then blackout. And that's the fucking plot of Fisher King Part 1. Why the fuck did they let her go home alone? Why the fuck did she leave a window open in her home? What the... Anderson, what the fuck do you think is happening, man? Anderson, what the fuck? 
despite you know you know a man killing a hundred people but never a woman and you know the feminist icons and statements we have in this show women are stupid and we don't respect them so (laughs) do we want to get into some deep dives yeah yeah uh digs you have a dip you have a digs digs you have a deep dive I'd like to dig us down a little deeper in this. Um, It's called The Fisher King, so obviously it's about the Fisher King from Arthurian mythology. Um, And the thing thing that bugs me in these two episodes is clearly they did a little bit of research about the Fisher King and then said, you know what? Fuck you. (laughs) What if we did none of that? Um, But anyway... Like with everything in Arthurian mythology, and apparently this show, it's very convoluted. Uh, there, so obviously with Arthur, I say obviously with Arthurian mythology, there are many different accounts, and they are all technically part of the same canon. It just depends what stories you like rely on. So there's like different versions of different things. I usually rely on Christian de Troyes, uh, Mort de Arthur. Uh, and the Vol- uh, Volgate cycle. So that's what we're basing this on because that's what it looks like they looked at as well. Uh, the Fisher King proper first appears in Chrétien de Troyes, who is like a, a French Arthurian romance author, and he's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love him so very, very much. If you want to get absolutely horny out of your mind, read Night of the Cart by Chrétien de Troyes, Holy fucking shit, my guys. It's something else. You guys are going to have to get, forgive me because my Welsh is a little bit rusty. Uh, but the Mabinokion is like the earliest prose lit of Britain, and it gets into like Celtic myth, and that's where the Fisher King first sort of emerges um, with the story of Bran the Blessed, which is what this is referencing. Uh, so basically, this dude uh, tries to marry Bran's sister, uh, and Bronze like, sick, sounds super cool, love it. But his half-brother is like, nah, disagree. So he kills all his horses. Wait, who who kills? He kills the suitors. He kills the suitors' horses. Okay, gotcha. Oh, the horses die. Are, are you feeling sad about, like, fictional horses from, like, hundreds of thousands of years ago, Happy? Yes. If an animal dies, I get upset. All right, I'm sorry that these Welsh horses had to die, but and anyway, Welsh. Um, they don't deserve that. Sorry, go on. Bran, Bran is trying to like not have a war, so he gives um, the suitor uh, a magic cauldron, and so he the suitor takes the magic cauldron and the sister, uh, but he's still mad that his horses got murked, uh, and so the sister kind of gets like abused and stuff, and eventually relegated to the kitchens. Uh, so she trains a starling to send a like a note to her brother Bran. <gasps> yeah, starlings are here, baby. Wait, why? Why do we get so excited about starlings? I don't want to take a huge detour, but basically, this one dude was like, "I love birds, and I love Shakespeare, so I'm going to bring all the birds that Shakespeare's ever referenced from England." to the u.s so he got a bunch of starlings and was on a plane coming back to the u.s but then there was like a plane accident so it kind of crashed and all the starlings got let loose into the like the wild so now they're an invasive species in america my word starlings so 
Yeah, so I love starlings. Sorry, go on, Diggs. Um, so anyway, Braun, being a good brother sometimes, shows up with his whole army and is like, alright, we're gonna fight and I'm gonna save my, my, my sister. But unfortunately, he had given the suitor the magic cauldron that lets you bring people back to life. And so they're fighting his, like, undead, um, like, knights and stuff. Uh, and so because he needs to make up for the fact that he caused this in the first place, the half-brother uh, pretends to be dead, so he gets put into the cauldron and destroys it from the inside, um, uh, ending all of like the undead things and then dying himself. And basically only a few people survive, and Braun's kind of like on his deathbed. And he asks his sister to like have his head chopped off so they can take his head back like home and like bury it and stuff. Um, and so they do, and his severed head keeps talking. Uh, and then they go on like an 80 year long, like mystical dream quest where they like forget that a war just happened. It's not important, but eventually they go to <laughs> London uh, and in London, they bury his head facing France where the tower of London would eventually be to ward off invasions. Um, and the cauldron from this story is also in Kuluik and Olwen. Again, my Welsh is so rusty. Uh, where Arthur and his 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 crew try and find the cauldron. This is usually thought of as like the origin of like where the Fisher King myth comes from. Uh, and so very clearly, this is being referenced in this episode. What with our severed head and stuff, that's what the the head is. Which isn't the first Arthurian reference. The first Arthurian reference is actually uh, Reed leaving the sanitarium. Um, that's the first one. But uh, with the Fisher King in Chrétien, or in the 1210 version, uh, the Fisher King kind of represents the Pope in a way where he relies on people that follow the chivalric code, but he can't actually like protect people from knights who aren't following the code and he is like the keeper of the grail and there's usually two there's the wounded king and the fisher king and the wounded king is usually either a grandfather or a father to the fisher king who is like the younger um but they both have a very severe injury usually referred to as a thigh injury because you know it's emasculating to say his dick is fucked up but that's really what it is his dick is fucked up and he can't really stand that well uh, and he has to basically like wait at this castle for like a knight to come along and ask the right question about um, the Holy Grail so that he can be be healed. As the keeper of the Grail, you are meant to like pass the Grail on down your like lineage to like keep it safe. But because he tried to, you know, have sex with the wrong woman that the Grail didn't designate, um, his dick is fucked. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, he's got to sit in his little fishing boat with his fucked up penis and and wait for some knights to roll up and hope that they ask the right question so that they can then begin the Grail quest and get the Grail and heal him and his penis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I don't know. How, I don't know how to fucking transition, so I'm just gonna like do it. I... Transitions are for better <laughs> podcasters than us. <laughs>
So I did a little true life crime comparison. Um, when I was checking out the Criminal Minds Wiki, they did recommend <laughs> recommend recommend some serial killers that I guess this was based off of. But I just didn't think it was similar enough. So I went with the case of Brian Wells. Those of you who have seen Evil Genius on Netflix, and if you haven't, you need to fucking see Evil Genius because that shit is crazy. This is that case. Brian Douglas Wells was an American pizza delivery man who was murdered during a complex plot involving a bank robbery, scavenger hunt, yes, a scavenger hunt, and a homemade explosive device near his hometown in Erie, Pennsylvania, August 28, 2003. Following an attempt to rob a PNC bank and while surrounded by police, Wells was murdered when an explosive collar locked to his neck detonated. It is known as the collar bomb or pizza bomber case, and the incident was shown on live television because news crews were broadcasting the whole thing. So back to Brian Wells. He worked as a pizza delivery driver at Mamma Mia's Pizza. Mamma Mia Pizzeria. Mamma Mia. Eerie. Wait, wait, wait. We have an authentic Italian. Con- oh, oh, yes. I'm oh, not yes. doing it. Damn it. Come on, Diggs. Do no. it for the podcast. It's offensive. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wells' corpse was found with, a, with nine pages of lengthy handwritten instructions addressed to bomb hostage telling him to rob the bank. The instructions also included a treasure hunt listing a series of strictly timed tasks of collecting keys that would delay the detonation and eventually defuse the bomb. It also warned that Wells would be under constant surveillance and any attempts to contact authorities would result in the bomb's detonation. And I think it was later determined that there was no way that anyone could have completed all of the tasks in the allotted time because he was driving all over uh, the town and doing all of these ridiculous things. And he only actually got through one of the tasks before he was murdered. A federal grand jury indicted Marjorie Deal Armstrong, who is fucking evil, and Kenneth Barnes, who is also evil, on charges of bank robbery, conspiracy, and weapon charges. Fellow co-conspirator William Bill Rothstein died, so he was not convicted, and his roommate Floyd Stockton was given immunity from prosecution. Also, Rothstein was murdered by Marjorie, so I don't know why that was like so casually left out of that sentence, but he died because she shot him and kept him in her freezer in her fucking murder hoarder house, okay? She and Kenneth Barnes dated when they were younger and then they broke it off and then like 20 years later, they got back together and like did this whole fucking crazy thing that and, and ended up killing Brian Wells and other people. Um, the big controversy is whether Brian Wells was actually involved in the planning of everything. There is some evidence that he, cause it was a small town that he knew these people, but I don't think that he was because they, I just, from like what I saw on the documentary, I don't believe that he was a co-conspirator. I think that he just happened to be super unlucky. Um, So, yeah, so that's some fucking crazy shit. And I definitely recommend that anyone who doesn't know about the case watch Evil Genius. 
Uh, yeah, and that's my true crime comparison. Ooh, that was crazy. Should we rate this episode? Fuck yeah, we should. All right. Criminal slash serial killer. Rebecca. Rebecca, I must go out again. No, 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 no. Uh, uh. This guy knew what he was about, and I can respect him for that. Um, uh, I think he did things a little out of order. Um, he should know better than to do it in this order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think he was super creepy, and this is like an episode that has always stuck with me, and I, I've seen it a bunch of times, but I remember the first time watching it, I was like, this shit is so fucking good. This shit should get an Oscar, because it's just so creepy and suspenseful and fast-paced. And I think that just in terms of his criminality, like, it's scary. Like, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Yeah, the, the the way that, like, when they were like, how does he know everything? I'd say high score. Like, I don't know, 17, 18. How do you feel about that, Diggs? I'm cool with that. I like this guy's style. Let's do an 18. All right. Character development slash character arcs. I've never seen an episode that focuses on like character development for each character, uh, each member of the BAU. Um, yeah, it's always been like a more like Reed centric or Hotch centric like kind of episode. I I think we should probably give it a twenty because I don't think we've ever given character development a twenty, and I think that this stands out in that respect. Okay, I'm good with a twenty. Okay forensics and context we didn't get like any i feel like there was so much stuff that they could have like looked at beyond just like oh like a a a white guy in whatever age group is there not like oh who would buy a medieval replica sword and also play online video game and like i feel like there's a lot a lot more that can go into who this fella is. Uh, even right off the top. Agreed. I just, th- I think every, I, I'm sorry. You're going to be out here playing uh, like an RPG game set in like Camelot and have someone whose anagram name, or like they're not anagram name, but like their name is like, Sir Keef, and you are part of like a behavioral unit, and you don't like look at that and be like, hmm, <laughs> what? <laughs> and you goddamn Caliburn, I, mm, or when mm, they mm, were mm, like, mm. hmm, it looks like a coded message, <laughs> <laughs> but also like you know go off boomer unsub like knowing how to play video games like this but like also what must those like conversations between him and garcia have been like <laughs> can you imagine well if you'd like a good example read night of the card by christian detroit <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god okay All right. well, throw out a number for us digs yeah Four. Four. Four? Okay. Script writing. I 
enjoyed the episode. It kept me interested, but also, bro, what the fuck? Yeah, the dialogue was whack. There's no, it's no the fox. I'll give yeah, you that. It's not the fox. I I think it did a good job of balancing everyone and not spending like too much time where it didn't need to be. The dialogue was a little whack, but I have no idea what it's like normally. So I feel like I don't get to weigh in on this one. I feel like the pacing was really good. Yeah. Um, I would say maybe like a 15. Okay. I'm good with that. Background characters. Fucking Anderson. Anderson. Fucker. Apparently he's like, I've seen most of this show, but apparently he comes back and he's like in it constantly. And I'm like, what the fuck? But fucking Anderson, man. There, I would, I'm going to just say five because there weren't really many background characters at all. I don't think we should like take negative points off of this. Ten. Yeah. All right, so that gives us to a grand total of, ooh, let me add this up, 67. Can we can we add two more points somewhere just so we can okay, get it? Let's, 69. Let's, let's get a 11. Put that at 11 and put forensic at 5. Okay, so. 69. <laughs> After some, some de- <laughs> deliberation, <laughs> I've decided that Lots of people buy medieval swords. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Wow. Good job, Abby. Thanks for doing that recap. And you're going to do the recap for part two, which... Uh, I think will be dropped today that you're listening to this now. Um, So please follow us on the socials at Unsubs Podcast everywhere. Buy our fucking merch. No one's bought our merch except me. I buy our merch. I drew some of the merch. Oh yeah, I did. Drew the merch. Some of it. I drew the leaf. Yeah, team leash. Just follow uh, yournewapartment.tumblr.com if you want more of me. Um, And yeah. And you can follow me uh, with my solo podcast, Teen Stage of the Screen. That's on all of your favorite streaming services, as well as the Instagram account for that, which is Between Stage and Screen Podcast. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. And where can everyone find and listen to you? You can find me on both Instagram and TikTok at MomentumHorsing, and you can also listen to my podcast, Genre Blind, uh, anywhere fine podcasts are sold, and you can follow us on Instagram at Genre Blind Podcast. We will link everything in the show notes. All right, bitch, now go listen to episode two, or part two.